Thanks for listening to the Highlands Message Podcast. Whether you're new to Highlands and are listening for the first time or you want to hear a past message again, welcome. Our heart at Highlands is to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus so you can have a life full of purpose as you grow in your faith and lead others to Jesus. We hope you enjoy and are inspired by the latest message from one of our communicators. Jesus is. Brand new series we're kicking off today. Um, we're also, you, a few months ago, you, you may have followed along with a reading plan that we did on Version. So if you look at the little Bible app there up there, it's the Version Bible app. And as of tomorrow, we're led to believe by Version over in the States that tomorrow our new Bible um, reading plan will go live. So we put together another one. Maddie Wiedemann and the team have put together another one. So we're really looking forward to that. And it's going to go for 25 days. So you're going to have to play a little catch-up. We hoped it would be ready on the 1st, but it wasn't. So um, it hopefully will go live tomorrow morning. So if you type in, in, in new version, if you type under reading plan, Jesus is, it should come up and you'll see it because it's a 25-day plan. We'd encourage you to, to follow along and as, you, as your Christmas devotions. Great way to, to tap in. Jesus is. Every week we're going to look at a, a new aspect of Jesus. Why, why is Jesus so important? Why, why do we come every, every Sunday and worship him the way we worship him? Why do we read the scriptures throughout the week? Why do we gather together? Why is, what is it about Jesus that's so important? I want to start by, again, as I usually do, ask a question. Have you ever noticed in life that we're always trying for more? You ever noticed that? You, you might achieve something and then you, you, you want, to, want to achieve a little bit more. There, there, there doesn't ever seem to be enough. There's no such thing as, oh, I've got enough. I'm, I'm content with what I have. There, there's a culture now that over the last few decades, I guess, there's this constant pressure to add on, to seek more. I remember, remember reading once, someone asked US uh, business tycoon of the time, Howard Hughes, one of the wealthiest men in the world, how much, Howard, how much is enough? Like you, you've, you've accrued so much finance and wealth. How much is enough? And you know what his answer was? Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. And, and we kind of laugh at that and think, oh, that is, isn't that a bit strange? But so often now that's the case. We don't seem to be able to just go, you know what? That's good. I'm content rather than I need more. We see it everywhere. We see it from the fine food restaurants where, where the, um, the restaurateur or, or someone will come out and they'll offer you something. Would you like this with that? And would you like that? Water. Would you like sparkling water? Would you, and they, they add more, or you might to go, go to the very fine food restaurant of McDonald's, and any time you put an order in, what do they ask? Would you like, <laughs> would you like fries with that? You know, they're, they're wanting to add on. There's, there's this opportunity, and we're encouraged to upsize, to add more. Even on social media now, you know, we always seem to want to add something to a comment. Somebody puts something out there, and we can't just sit and listen. We've got to add our two bobs worth in, and sometimes that's okay, but sometimes... Why? why? Why do we need to add to that? There's extras in everything from petrol to toothpaste to makeup. Mobile phones. You have a really good mobile phone and the new version comes out. Guess what? I'm looking at the upgrade. But this has got a better camera, honey. Am I the only one? We buy a car and we buy the car and the car's great, but then what do they do? They come out and they talk about the extras, the upgrades. Would you like car mats with that? Can we give you a little bit more? What about the upholstery protector that never seems to work? Um, 
tinted windows, side steps on the big cars. There's always something that's being added to. You're buying a house. You're just about to sign it. Oh, would you like ducted vacuuming? What about solar? What about extra lights? Have you thought about upgrading your taps or your door handles? Everywhere we go, there's this not just idea, but this push for the upgrade, for the more. Let's think about this perspective in maybe another way. There's nothing more tangible as an example than the additives that have been added to our foods over the years. This will make them last longer. They won't go off as quick. This will make them look better. The meat will look redder. This will taste sweeter. And we're constantly putting these additives into our food, which we're putting into our body, and now we're finding out a lot of those additives aren't healthy for us at all. But we keep adding to what was really healthy and really good in the first place. And then there's milk. You used to just go to the shops and ask for a bottle of milk, didn't you? There you go. Do you remember the ad? I, I think I've got some of them. I think I've got some of them. Now, milk. Would you like skim milk, low-fat milk, soy milk, oat milk, lactose-free milk, almond milk, macadamia milk? And there's probably more. Coconut milk. But the, <laughs> there used to be just milk. But for whatever reason, we've wanted to add and give options and make it more and more and more. And while all of these seemingly acceptable ingredients seem okay... It gets to the point where adding something actually subtracts from its value and its purpose. And we're learning now that these additives, many of these additives, are bringing damaging side effects. So what's lately, what's been happening, particularly within, within the food industry, is there's now a pushback to going back to returning to natural products, the way that they were originally created. Today... I want to talk to us as a church about what it might look like for us to embrace a counter-cultural concept around Jesus. Jesus is... Jesus is enough. Our Jesus is enough. And many of us in this room will go, yes, I agree with that. But so many of us want to add to Jesus. And this morning I'm going to talk a little bit about that. I'm going to talk about why and what we do to add and what that does to the gospel message. Jesus alone is enough. He's sufficient for our salvation, for us to connect with God. Nothing else. We need nothing. There's no behavioral change. There's nothing we need to do, nothing we need to add. Just accepting Jesus is enough for us to have eternal life, to know the Father. For every spiritual need of the human soul can be fulfilled through Jesus. The Apostle Paul wrote about this after God gave him a bit of a thorn in the flesh. Apostle Paul was getting a bit ahead of himself, getting a little bit proud. And so God sort of wanted to grab his attention about, it's not about you, mate. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 8, we read this. Three times, three different times, Paul says, I begged the Lord to take this thorn away. And each time God said, my grace all you need. Paul, it's not about you. It's not about what you do and who you are. My grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses, Paul says, so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in weakness and in the insults and the hardships and the persecutions and the troubles that I suffer. Wow. Imagine being at that place to go, I recognise all the tough stuff that's going on in my life and I'm okay. Why? 
Because God, your grace is sufficient for me. Why? Because Jesus, you are enough. And despite my circumstances, despite what I'm going through, Jesus, you are enough. The psalmist understood this about God. Psalm 73 verse 26, the psalmist writes, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is my strength. He's the strength of my heart and he's my portion forever. Church, Jesus paid for it all. When he, when he died on that cross, he made payment once. That death on the cross, he made payment for all of the stuff that we do. All of our sin. All of the things that we do where, where we fall short of the glory of God. All the things that we do that seem to separate us from God. When Jesus died on that cross and then three days later rose again, overcame death and hell, overcame the enemy, he, he did that to give us eternal life. And there's nothing to be added to that. It's us accepting the goodness of that. It never has to be done again. The price for all sin has been paid for. But unfortunately what's happened in the world culturally, has infiltrated into the Western church. What's happening in the world with these additives, with these add-on, with the more, I need to put, do more, I need to create more, has, has come into the local church. And I have to say, I believe that it's an affront to God. When we strive to do more, even trying to do more for God, because we want to feel worthy, Jesus, I, I can imagine, can you imagine Jesus on the cross saying, I've done this for you so you don't have to do that. You don't have to strive. You don't have to earn your way because of what I'm doing. People are bringing additives and extras to the redemptive work of Christ on the cross. Many of us are trying to add on to our faith. Why? Because for some of us, Jesus alone doesn't seem to be enough today, even for the Christian church. Whether it's I need to earn my way to God's favour. Murray, you don't understand what I did in my life. You don't understand the way I used to live my life or even some of the things that I still do now. You don't understand. I need to earn God's love and earn God's favour. No. Jesus is enough. I need to do good things so that I can get to heaven. No. Jesus is enough. I need to be a good person so that God will love me because how could he love me with what I used to do and what I've done and what I do now? No. Jesus is enough. I need, to, I need to adopt some of the other aspects and the other, of other religions or, or non-Christian practices because I just need to cover my bases. So, I, you know, they're just crystals for luck. I'll just keep those for luck because they're just crystals for luck. I'll just, oh, look, I know it's a bit of a funny thing, but touch wood, things, bad, bad things, that's not wood, but touch wood, things don't, bad things don't happen. I mean, we think it's funny. You don't need to do that because Jesus is enough. And yet we think these funny little things are okay. But it's like, let's just bring it back. What, what, what's God saying? He's, he's, what he did for us is so powerful, so amazing. Christians, we frequently live in this place where we, we might say he's enough, but in our actions, he's not enough. You know, and our generosity sometimes reflects this. When we don't believe Jesus is enough, when it comes to a time of giving or generosity or tithes and offerings, we give, but we might give out of obligation. Oh, suppose I better. Or I will because I need to, because I need to, I need to buy God's love. We don't think that, but that's almost the way we act. Whereas rather than, than acting and responding in a place of obligation, when Jesus is enough, we just give out of opportunity. We give out of love. It's another form of worship. We claim that he's saviour, but our actions and our attitudes towards him reveal the truth that we think we need to add something. 
Some people even try to add to the Bible. Oh, the Bible says this. You go, actually, no, it doesn't. And we need to come back to the Word of God, not add things to it to make us feel better. The Bible is very clear that Jesus was and is the plan of enough for us. Put simply, you may have heard it this way, but when I first heard this concept, it just made, rocked my world, made it so simple for me. You see, religion, in some areas, religion, it becomes about doing more. So religion, for some people, is spelt D-O. I'm religious and I have to do more. I have to do more to earn. I've got to, I've got to try to do more to add God's favor. I've got to do more to earn God's love. I've got to do more. So the more I do, the more I do, I'm, I'm, I'm even the serving. Now, it's great to serve. It's great to serve God. It's great to give. But if it's done out of attitude of, of doing, doing, doing to earn more, that's religion. To do, I've got to do more to, to earn his love. That's what religion, how religion is spelt, D-O. Christianity, true Christianity, is spelt D-O-N-E. It's done. Jesus has done it all. And the response of our lives is a response of worship and of love. It's a love offering. Our lives just become a love offering. Jesus, you've done it all. How amazing that if I was the only person on this earth, Jesus would have died for me. Because he wants us to have this personal relationship with God. His desire for us is to, is to come alive in our life with God at the center. Jesus paid for all of, the sin, all of our sin on the cross. What was, what is, what is to come. It's paid for. And we can't add anything to it. Jesus initiated and he became love for us first. It's done. In fact, we go back to that cross again. One of the last three words that Jesus said when he was on the cross was, it is finished. He says it. He actually says it's finished. He wasn't just talking about the pain and anguish and torture he went through for you and I. He was actually saying, it's done now. I've created a way for you to know God personally. Not just know about him, but to know him personally. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11, Paul writes this. He says, for God has already placed Jesus Christ as the one and only foundation. And no other foundation can be laid. The one and only foundation. Nothing else can be added to it. Jesus himself declares in John chapter 6, he says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread, anyone who, who, who invites me in, who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread which I will offer so the world may live is my flesh. What he's saying is what I gave on the cross, my flesh, my, my given body on the, on, on the cross, I did it for you so that you might have living bread, that you might have life. An abundance in life. There's no question. Jesus is enough. I heard this, this very, very deep formula. All the um, physicists in the room, just you, you'll get it. Some of them, others may not, but you'll get it. It goes something like this. I think I've got this right. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. What does it mean? Jesus is enough. This concept struck me more than ever before a number of years ago when um, Kaz invited me on one of her mission trips. So my wife Kaz is the founder and director of an organisation called Go Beyond All Borders. And Go Beyond All Borders has been going for just under 20 years. 
and does everything from provide uh, water filtration units for slum areas so that people uh, in need can, can drink fresh water, um, provides child sponsorship for children in need, takes people on awareness trips to go to Kenya um, to a, a children's home called Hiruma Children's Home and support this children's home for almost 20 years. And I went on one of her trips um, a few years ago now to, to Kenya and we stayed there for 18 days. And what I want to do in the, in the moments that remain is just give you a couple of reasons, a couple of examples, not of my example, but examples from the children of Haruma Children's Home about what does it mean to really know that Jesus is enough. Really quick. I had an incredible life-changing time on this trip. And I was exposed to a philosophy and a mindset and a lifestyle faith that says from these little kids who had nothing, Jesus is enough for me. Children worshipping with passion and enthusiasm, getting it up, getting up before the sun rose, not being woken up, getting up and running down to the main area where they would have what they called their devotions, which was really just a time of worship. They didn't wait for someone to lead, they just started singing. And when the music started playing, they just started singing. And then the last thing of the night before they went to bed, same thing, worshipping, passionately worshipping, singing, dancing, clapping, jumping. Children living in a home, children who didn't necessarily have a mum or a dad, but were being nurtured by this beautiful Christian woman. So what I want to do is teach through the scriptures why and how Jesus is enough using some examples from this Haruma children's home. Firstly, Jesus is enough when you're in grief and pain. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3 says, Praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. I love that. God says, praise be to God, because God comforts us from all that we go through. Why? So that not only can we be fulfilled, not that we can be nurtured, but we can then nurture and comfort others. I remember when Mama Zipporah, who's the, the African woman, big African woman just loves life and loves Jesus. And, you know, there's another story for another time that Kaz will share about how she started Haruma, just taking in one child and then took in another child. And I think it, you know, ended up being over 100 children. And then there's children from the slums that come to the school that's now been built that they get educated. But when it first started out, it was Mama Zipporah and Papa Isaac. And early into this, where they were being obedient to Jesus, Papa Isaac passed away, had a heart attack, I think, and passed away. And Mama was in this place of, what can I, how can I do this? How can I do this on my own with these children and some people helping? What can I do? But she knew she needed to carry on. And she saw people come and provide the right people at the right time. People like Kaz and others who connected in, sewed in. Other Africans saying, we want to help and sew in. And they've seen Haruma Children's Home grow and develop where children used to be two and three children to a mattress to every child now has their own mattress, their own bed. You used to see them in the mornings, they'd bring the mattresses out because a lot of the kids had been through some, some pretty horrific stuff and a lot of them were still wetting their beds. And so, you, you know, three of them on the same mattress and they'd have to drag the mattresses out to dry off and then put them back. Now every child in that place has a mattress. Why? Because one woman, in her grief and her pain, turned to Jesus and said, I'm still going to follow you. You're enough for me. Jesus is enough in our grief and pain. Secondly, Jesus is enough when we're confused. One of the guys that went on the trip, Andrew, 
or you call him Chara. Andrew was in a season of his life. He came on the trip. He's an Aussie guy. He just didn't know what to do with his life. He wasn't sure what to do with what was going on in his world. And, and so he, wasn't, he was really quite confused. And he said that openly when he came away. He was confused a little about his faith and felt stagnant with everything. And he comes to this trip in this place of confusion. And he sees these children worshipping God and they have nothing. Their toys are bones that they use to play jacks. You know, they, they have another little bone that they, they get a little bit of cotton in and they turn it into a car and think like cans that they kick around as soccer balls. That sort of stuff when they first started out. And he saw this simple faith that these children had where Jesus was enough and it changed his heart. And he came back a changed man. Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, Jesus is enough when we're confused. When we go to him with our confusion and go, I don't understand God, help me in my confusion, he brings a way forward through circumstances, situations. He shows us the way forward. Thirdly, Jesus is enough when we're fearful. I know many of us in this room right now are fearful about something, health situations, even just the new year, maybe business, not sure what's going on with business, with your workplace. I'm not sure what it is for you. But so often in life, fear rises up. I love the passage in Deuteronomy chapter 31. We read, So be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. Don't panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Words to those who are going to war. But for us, it's words for those in life who get fearful and say, Be strong and courageous. Trust God. God. God will personally, he already has through Jesus gone ahead and he will continue to go ahead of you. I'll tell you a story about a young man called William who was at Haruma Children's Home. Kaz met him as a very young boy. He was bullied severely as a young boy. Um, I think his, his father passed away and his mother was, was alive but not capable of really looking after him. And so he was brought up by, by his grandparents and there was no real future for him. He didn't really, as a young man, didn't really see a future for him. And he didn't know what the rest of his life was going to look like. Well, am I always going to be picked on? Am I always going to be left out? Am I going to be the unloved one? And he was fearful about that. And then as he, as he continued to be loved upon at Haruma Children's Home by, by Mama Zipporah and by the other children and by each other, he started to grow a little bit in confidence. And he started to put God first. And then he was baptised. I think you might have even had the, the privilege, Kaz had the privilege of baptising him on one of the trips. And then he became a young leader at Haruma. This fearful boy who was bullied and didn't know what to do with his life in a place, you know, in a children's home where you go, well, that's, that's just going to be his life. You know, I don't know what's going to become of him. He'll finish up at Haruma when he ages out and he'll just go on the streets, maybe live in the slums. No, no, no. He became a young leader. And then he connected with one of the young adults that Kaz took on one of the a young adults' mission trip a young entrepreneur by the name of Jack from South Australia. And Jack started to talk to him about the idea of the, the water filtration units that Kaz was doing and wanted to take it on a larger scale. And so he decided to employ William to go out and to show the local communities how to use these water filtration units. And so William started to do that and started to get confidence in, in communicating and doing really well. Then, then he finished his schooling and we decided we're going we're to support this young man and put him through university. So again, people that he knows and people William don't even know supported him financially to put him through university. And now he's a special needs teacher, qualified as a special needs teacher. And this Jack that Kaz took on a mission trip and God changed his heart 
who runs a business now in South Australia, runs a winery actually in South Australia, has now employed William in a school that Jack has built in Kenya to provide the opportunity for education for children just like William. Now, so many, yeah. So many stories in that about, about, about Jack just being obedient and going, I can make a difference in South Australia with my winery, but I can also make a difference here. Kaz, make, starting these trips up, but God using the thread, the God thread, to bring people together to make a difference, where this young man, William, bullied, fearful of what his future could look like, is now a qualified teacher, teaching in a school that was built by a guy who went on a trip with Kaz, who was inspired by the things of God. You see, God can make a difference. He can ta- if, if Jesus is enough and we believe it, watch what he does. If somebody had said to William, as a young 12, 13, 14-year-old, this was, was going to be his life, do you think he would have, he would have believed you? Our God is able. See, when you allow fear, the fear of missing out, failure or rejection to lead your life, you're actually saying, Jesus, you're not enough for me. When we let, let me say it again, when we let fear and we let failure and we let miss the fear of missing out and we let rejection rule our life, we say, Jesus, you're not enough. But if we come back off that and we say, no, 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 I know what I'm going through, but Jesus, I know you're enough and I'm going to trust you. Watch what he does. So many in this room have got testimony to how God works in that way. So many more, but just a couple. Jesus is enough when you're broken. Jesus is enough when you're broken. Psalm 147 verse 3, the psalmist writes, He heals the brokenhearted. This is our God. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. I'm going to share a story with you right now, and um, it's a little bit graphic, but uh, I know there are a few young, young ears in the room, so I'll, I'll, I'll make sure that it doesn't, it's not too graphic, but, but you need to understand what happens here. young girl called Mary at her room children's home. Kaz is there playing with the kids. As you do, you just can't help yourself. You're out kicking soccer balls. And she's sitting there with Mary, and Mary comes and sits on her lap, and Kaz is just sharing with Mary. And as she's sharing with young Mary... Primary school age. Um, she looks at her wrists and, and her wrists have got some, some um, scarring on her wrists around both of her wrists. And they're chatting away. And so Kaz just, you know, really appropriately just said, hey, honey, can, do you mind me asking, you know, what, what's, what are the scars on your wrists? What are they about? And so Mary goes on to tell a story about the fact that um, they lived in a very, very poor area, in a hut in a very poor area. And they were off at their school one day. On the way home from school, one of her friends said that they had some food at their house. They'd just been given some food at their house. So her friend invited her back to her place to come and have some food, just a little bit of food that they'd had. And so Mary went back and had some of that food and then went home. And when Mary got home, her stepfather asked her where she'd been. And Mary told him. And he responded very aggressively. And, um, and basically felt shame, firstly, that he couldn't provide, but also was just angry that she would do that. So what he decided to do was to take her and to, to tie her up to a tree and tied this young girl, teenage girl, up to a tree and left her there for three days. In fact, the only way that they found, the authorities found her and pulled her down. And she's sharing this story with Kaz and, you know, just big eyes and Kaz obviously is crying, holding her, and, and they're chatting away about it all. And she just openly was sharing that. And then 
Kaz went on and was talking about other things and said, so Mary, what do you want to do? Because often you talk to the kids, what do you, what do you want to do when you, when you grow up, when you leave? And they've just got such great plans. It's beautiful to see these kids' great plans. And she said, she looks up to Kaz with his big eyes and she says, Kaz, I want to be a nurse. And, and Kaz says, oh, okay, wh- why is that? She says, well, Kaz, I've forgive, forgiven my stepfather and my stepfather's now very unwell and I want to become a nurse because I want to care for my stepfather. Jesus is enough. You know, if you're carrying stuff at the moment where forgiveness is hard for you, if you're carrying stuff at the moment where you feel broken because of situations or circumstances, I want you to remember the name Mary. See, she's living in freedom. As she shared the story, she was free. As she shared what she's going to do, she was free. Sure, there's some scars that remind her of the, of the past and what happened. She's not saying that didn't happen to me. But she knows her Jesus and she knows that Jesus is enough and she's able to walk. This young girl, who, who you don't have to try and talk her into things. God's done something in her heart to change her heart that she can live in freedom. Why? Because Jesus is enough. He's enough when you're broken. Jesus is enough when you're stressed. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7 says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. He's enough when you're stressed. When you're stressed, stressed out about life, stressed out about Christmas, stressed out about getting everything done. I talk about, I talk about a breath prayer that helps me to remember that Jesus is enough when I'm stressed. This is my breath prayer. God, you're with me. God, help me in this moment. God, you're with me. Give me the right words to say. Just reminding myself of the truth that Jesus is with me and Jesus is enough. See, the gospel message of Jesus Christ is pure and it doesn't need any adding. Any life that says, yes, I believe in Jesus, but I also need this added on to my faith is a life and a faith that's flawed. And I came to know that in my mid-20s and I need to be reminded of it every day. So whether you're a Christian or whether you're just checking church out, maybe it's your first time here, maybe you've just, you've just started coming along, wherever you're at in your journey, you're just dipping your toe in the, into the Christian faith or church or God, I want to tell you, Jesus wants you to know that He's enough for you. He's enough for your circumstance. He's enough for your situation. He's waiting for us to run into His arms. I find it interesting, you know, with the cross and crucifixions, that this is the way they crucified, where Jesus' arms are wide open. And I picture that often, and I think about that in the context of the, uh, the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son, where the son runs off. And Jesus shares the story, and what he's doing is he's trying to express a whole lot of different uh, principles, but mainly the love of God, the love of the Father. And he talks about the fact that the prodigal son runs off and then the fa- and he's waiting and he goes on Lizzie's life and then he realizes he's got to come back to God, to the father. Perspective, he's got, to, he's got to come back to God. And it tells the story of the father sees him from a long way away and lifts up his cloak, and, which is totally not done in those times, and runs and he just does this and he just, poof, big bear hug, one of Kev's hugs, big bear hug, you know, and just doesn't let him go. Jesus on the cross, I'm enough. I'm all you need in every situation, every circumstance. It's done for you. 
Stop trying to add to it. Simple faith. Maddie said last week, it's a simple faith. It's a simple faith. Jesus loves you. He died for you. And he wants you to accept him. He wants you to, to invite him into your heart. And if he's already in your heart, he wants you to put him first. Because he's enough. Jesus is enough. Man, they're the most powerful words I've ever heard. They are the most powerful words I've, never, I've ever heard. I don't, have to, I don't have to do anything to earn God's love. My life becomes a thank you. What I do with my life just becomes a thank you to God. It's not to earn his favor. It's not to earn his love. It's just to say, God, I love you. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you so much for your love for us. As we kick off this Jesus is series, so many attributes to you, Lord Jesus. But in some ways, the most important is that you're enough. That we don't need I don't need to be in a relationship. I don't need to have more money. I don't need to strive for your love and your acceptance. God, I thank you that you are enough. And I pray that every person here that's maybe struggling with some of this, that maybe through their life so far, it's always been about doing. I pray in the name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit would minister right now and people would know your love. You know, with every head bowed and every eye closed right now, I also just want to speak for a moment to those of you in this place right now who maybe have never actually thought about accepting Jesus into your life, saying, you know what, Jesus is enough, and I want to know this. I want to invite him into my heart. And if that's you, you've never invited Jesus into your heart before. You've never said, Jesus, would you come? I don't just want to know about you. I want to know you. And if that's you this morning, you truly want to know Jesus and ask him into your heart. Maybe you did this a long time ago and you've walked away from him. And like that prodigal that I talked about, you want to run back into his arms. Or maybe you never have. And it's time. Right now, your heart's beating. You know that God is speaking to you through even the words that I'm saying. I would love to pray for you like somebody prayed for me. Just pray for you as you accept Jesus to lead your life. Accept Jesus to come into your life. And if that's you right now, with every head bowed in a moment of prayer, could I pray for you? Best way for me to do that without embarrassing you is with every head bowed and every eye closed. Would you just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for? I want to pray for you this morning as you would, you, you would invite Jesus into your heart. That's awesome, mate. See that hand? That's fantastic, mate. So good. So good. Young man saying, you know what? I want Jesus to be enough in my life. Too much striving. I don't want to strive anymore. I want Jesus to lead me, guide me. Anyone else that I can pray for? So good. Don't miss this moment. He loves you. He loves you. This Christmas time, such a great time to accept and walk with Jesus. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for that. Game. Hey, just before we pray, church, can we just encourage this guy who's saying, you know what, I want, I want to follow Jesus. So, Father, why don't you just pray this simple prayer? And if you didn't raise your hand, but you, in your heart, you just want, I want to know this, Jesus. Why don't you just pray this prayer along with me? Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me. You are enough. Forgive me for what I've done in my life so far. Help me to walk with you. Come alive in my life. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. And you're now my friend. 
In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Highlands Message Podcast. We hope you feel encouraged to take these words with you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and to make a difference. If you feel moved by today's message and want to connect with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at highlands.au on Facebook or Instagram or head to the highlandschurch.org.au website for more resources and information. Be sure to follow the Highlands Message Podcast on your preferred platform to stay up to date with our latest message. We hope to see you in person soon.